You're listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 31. Time to clock in now. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hey everybody, how are you doing today? I hope everybody's doing great and fired up just like I am. My name is Scott Wellens. I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it is so great to be with you today, and thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode, which is what determines a stock price. Whoa, that sounds deep. It sounds like something complicated, but really it isn't as complicated as you might think. So do not turn this podcast off because this will be a valuable lesson in your investing experience, in your knowledge. Because like I always say, knowledge leads to discipline and discipline can lead to a great investing experience. But before we get started, I want to let you know a little bit what's going on in my life. I told people at the beginning of this year, I told you all that I was on a pretty major diet trying to lose 20 pounds. And I've been exercising great, but still not eating the best. There's just so much good food to eat in Milwaukee. It's unbelievable. But my wife had an idea to start the 21-day fix this past week. So Monday, we started the fix. In fact, Sunday, we got a bunch of information from a client and friend of ours. And the 21-day fix is actually a program where you only get so much to eat every day and you load up that food in different colored containers. Carbs go in the yellow, protein goes in the red, fruit goes in the blue, and you get these little tiny little carb containers. That's where the carbs go and you only get a couple of them per day. But it was her idea, so I automatically jumped on board, thought it was a, a good idea since I really need to spark things if I ever want some of my pants to fit ever again. And we spent, it's you know, it's great doing stuff with your significant other too that you can get on the same page together on things like finance like we talk about in this show, but other things like health as well since that is one of our cornerstones that we want to build up abundance in. And it's easier doing it with somebody else like your spouse than trying to do it by yourself. So I am extremely hungry right now. For example, for breakfast, I was able to eat a whole wheat bagel. Sounds good, right? Well, it was actually a mini whole wheat bagel. Doesn't sound as great, but wait, wait, wait. It was actually a half of a whole wheat bagel. That's my carb portion for this morning. I did get a teaspoon of peanut butter and 10 or 12 strawberries too. So 
Wow. But really, there is a lot of food you can eat during the day. But for me, a constant overeater, this is kind of difficult for me. But being on the same page with my wife, doing this hardcore for 21 days, it's gotten me motivated, giving me a lot more energy. So we have a lot to get through today. So let's get to the topic of the day. All right, today we're going to talk about the topic, what determines stock prices? And I'm going to talk a lot today about efficiency. So before I get started, I want to give you an analogy just to set the stage a little bit. Have you ever noticed, though, how the car buying experience has completely changed. In the old days, you pulled up to a car dealership at a major disadvantage because you had no idea what the car was worth. There was a sticker price on the vehicle and you knew that was probably not a fair price to pay, but it's all you had to go off of. It was all the information you had. So you haggle a little bit with the dealer and you bought the car and left the dealership wondering if you paid a fair price. Even after you did the haggle or did the dance with the dealer, you knew that more often than not, you felt like you were still being taken advantage of because you most likely were. The salesperson had more information than you and therefore they had the upper hand. But now you can go online to several websites and figure out exactly what the car is worth and what you should pay for a new vehicle. You can figure out ahead of time what you should pay for the car that you want. And if you do the due diligence, if you do the research, you can walk out of the car dealership knowing you paid a fair price. The balance of power, my friends, has changed. You have just as much information now as the car salesperson. The experience at the car dealership is now efficient for you because you have all the information about the car's cost. Back in 2011, I bought a brand new minivan. I researched and had the information and knew exactly what a fair price was for the van. I took it a step further for just because I'm kind of a tightwad, but I actually sent my request out via email to 30 different dealerships. I was living in Cincinnati at the time, and there's a lot of big cities around Cincinnati, Lexington, Louisville, Indianapolis, Dayton, Columbus. So there were a lot of dealerships. I sent it to all 30, told them exactly what kind of vehicle I wanted, told them I did a lot of research, told them that I was sending it out to 30 different dealerships and to email me back a quote for the car that was on their lot. The exact make, the exact model, and the exact features that I wanted, right down to the color of the minivan because I was able to do all the research and figured out that these dealerships had the car I wanted on the lot. So I probably got around 12 dealerships to actually send in a quote. Some didn't have the car when I thought they did by going to their website. Others didn't want to play my game, but I got several quotes and they were vastly different prices. Some of them very close to what I thought was a fair price. Some better than the fair price. Some way over that fair price that I already knew. So then... 
I sent another email out to the three best prices and said, congratulations, you are in the top three. Now I really want you to dig deep and give me your best price. You know, they all tried to call me. I didn't even pick up the phone. I said, I have cash on the barrel. I'm coming in to one of your three dealerships today to buy the car. Give me your best price. And of course, they all came down even a little bit more under that fair value. So I knew I was getting a good deal. And that night I did what I said I was going to do. I went to the dealership with the best price and bought the car. I knew I was getting a good deal. The car buying experience is now efficient. But Scott, how does this relate to the stock market? Well, the stock market is not any different than the car buying experience. It's just a different product that you're buying. There was a time when stockbrokers had information on companies and you could find ones that were mispriced and buy them. And it may have given you an advantage. But those days are long gone. Because now, with the advent of computers just 50 years ago, and programs to track every single detail about a company, and those details are available to everybody, all information about all companies is available to the millions of stock market participants every single day. There's no longer an advantage of trying to pick winning or mispriced stocks because the stock market is now efficient, just like buying a car. Now, am I coming up with this great insight? No, but I believe in science and I believe in moving with science. I mean, really, that's what we do. We move with science. Think of the healthcare industry and think of all the advancements we have made with science. It's unbelievable. I like to move with science when it comes to investing. Professor Eugene Fama performed extensive research on the stock market and price patterns in, the 19, in 1966. He developed the efficient market hypothesis well before computers even came out because this information was still attainable. And the hypothesis asserts that current securities prices reflect all information and expectations. This framework has several implications for investors because listen, if current market prices offer the best available estimate of real value, stock mispricings can't be systematically exploited through security selection or market timing. And only future events will trigger price changes, which is the reason for the apparent short-term randomness of returns to begin with. Now that, what I just said was a mouthful and I'm going to try and unpack all of that for you. So do not change and listen to another podcast because I'm going to bring this all together for you because there's eight points that you need to understand about market efficiency, what's called the efficient market hypothesis. And there's four things that this hypothesis states. I'm going to go over the four. There's four things that the hypothesis doesn't state as well, and I'm going to go over those. So number one, the hypothesis states that current prices incorporate all information available and the expectations of that stock price. 
I mean, when you look at a stock price on a company, what is it? It's adding up everything that the company is worth and figuring out or guessing what the expected future cash flows might be that they might generate from their business and then applying some sort of discount rate to it, which is the rate of return that an investor demands for the investment. And what the hypothesis says is that current prices are the best approximation of intrinsic value, the intrinsic value of the price of the stock, the true, correct price of the stock. And no one, I repeat, no one knows the true intrinsic price of that stock. But I think we can determine what is its best guess, and that is the current price. Let me tell you why with another example. Here's a very simple example of how the stock market works. I'm going to use jelly beans as an example. Has anyone ever gone to any function where you had to guess how many jelly beans were in a jar or how many coins were in a jar? Happens all the time. This is a very simple example of how the stock market works. It shows how the collective knowledge can come together and be more powerful than the knowledge of any one person. So this jelly bean example was done at a client event and there was a jar of jelly beans placed on the table. Everyone was asked to guess how many jelly beans were in the jar. These ranges were all over the place. At the low end, somebody guessed 409 jelly beans. And at the high end, somebody guessed 5,365 jelly beans. But when you averaged all the estimates together, the average was 1,653 jelly beans. That was the average guess. Do you want to know what the actual guess was? 1,670. Very close to the average. This experiment has been repeated over and over at events, and the average of all the guesses is usually very close to the actual count, which reinforces in a very simple way. And that is that combined intelligence of a group is better than the knowledge of one person. Together, we know more than we do alone. Let's move back to the stock market. Consider the aggregation of knowledge and opinions that work in the financial markets. Millions of participants buy and sell securities around the world every day. In 2015, an average of 98 million trades were conducted per day of over $450 billion worth of securities. I mean, is that crazy? Investors trade billions of dollars in stocks and bonds every day. The new information buyers and sellers bring to the market help set the prices. And with each bit of new information, prices adjust accordingly. Nobody knows what the next bit of new information will be as the future is uncertain. Nobody has a crystal ball. But we can accept current prices as fair. This does not mean that the price is always right because there's no way to prove that. But investors can accept the market price of a stock as its best estimate. If you don't believe 
that market prices are good estimates and you believe that you're looking at a particular stock and you believe it's going to go up and down, well, you are pitting your knowledge or hunches against the combined knowledge of thousands or millions of other market participants. Think of a stock. If you want to buy a particular stock, let's just use Apple as an example. Well, somebody on the other side of the table needs to want to sell that. They believe that Coke is not a good buy right now. They want to get rid of their Coke stock. We go to the public markets to complete this exchange, but every time you buy a stock, there needs to be an individual like you on the other end or an investment company that's looking to sell that particular company. And this happens over and over throughout the day. People are guessing different things. I'm going to buy, I'm going to sell. And while nobody knows the true intrinsic value, the real value of that stock, these market forces of buying and selling every day is just driving you closer to that intrinsic value. That's why the actual price of the stock is our best guess at what the stock's price is worth. And all of this that I'm telling you is point number two, which is current prices are the best approximation of intrinsic value. Let's move on to the third point that the hypothesis states, that price changes are due to unforeseen events. Meaning that when you have a stock price that incorporates all available information, and it's your best guess, that price of what that stock is worth. The only thing that's going to move that price are new events that come out. And these events are unforeseen. We don't know. Are they going to be good events or are they going to be bad events? Within the price is baked in everybody's guess of what events might happen, but not the true events. When the true event happens, then the stock prices change so quickly. So if you're reading an article in a newspaper of something that happened the day before, or even if you're watching the news of something that happened that particular day, that stock price changes so quickly in an instant that now that new stock price has all the available information in it once again. And number four that the hypothesis states is that mispricings can occur, but not in predictable patterns that can lead to consistent outperformance. That means that sometimes a stock price is just mispriced, but there is no pattern, predictable pattern that you can follow, that you can constantly use as reliable, that will lead to this consistent outperformance. It just doesn't exist. Now, let me tell you some things that the hypothesis does not state. Number one, the hypothesis does not state that investors are rational. Most of us are not rational. Point number two, the hypothesis does not state that prices are always right. All the hypothesis says is that it is its best guess all of the information. That doesn't mean that the stock is right. That doesn't mean that it is very close to its intrinsic value. The information available may lead us to an incorrect price. That's why the stock market goes up and down, which is number three. The hypothesis does not state that the prices should be stable. Absolutely not. And lastly, the hypothesis does not state that professional money managers can't 
earn higher than market returns. There are investment managers out there that can. The research shows that it's very few. And the longer a manager tries to do so, the least chance that he has to beat the market. Furthermore, a money manager needs to overcome all the expenses of trading and still beat the market. So while some investment managers may be able to earn a higher return than the overall markets, very, very few can when you incorporate the cost of trading, overcoming the fees. And lastly, I see no predictable or reliable way to find or pinpoint who that manager is that can beat the market. We know it afterwards. We know it 10 and 15 and 20 years later, the few that have beat the market. We don't know ahead of time. There's no reliable way to pick that manager. And what often happens is investors get into a mutual fund after a manager has had some really good performance five years or three years previously. But the question is, can that manager keep persisting without performance? And what the research shows is a lot of times these managers start to revert back to the mean of the other managers. So what can I make out of all this, Scott? What can I do with my portfolio? Well, here's the thing, guys. When you believe in the efficient market hypothesis, when you believe this, now you can stop worrying about whether or not the stock market is overpriced or underpriced or a particular company is overpriced or underpriced because there's nothing, there's no reliable way for you to do anything about it. But here's the cool thing. When you're not spending all your time worrying about mispricing, now you can turn your attention to other things that can help you beat the market. Let's review. Conventional managers are what I talked about. Those are managers that attempt to identify mispriced securities or predict the future. That's the way things were. Then index funds came in the 70s. And an index fund attempts to closely track a commercial benchmark. And the emphasis is on low tracking error and low cost. There's disadvantages too, since they are forced to buy and sell securities when the index is rebalanced. And that's usually only done once a year. So there's infrequent rebalancing, which can result in style drift, a whole nother topic. As securities change characteristics and the portfolio moves away from its targeted universe. Then there's the scientific approach that focuses on holding areas of the market that have offered higher expected returns, such as the premiums that I've talked about before, the value premium, the company size premium, the profitability premium. Those things are the things that you can concentrate on and actually attempt to beat the market, but in a completely different way than the conventional approach. This approach uses scientific evidence, financial science, and the view that market prices reflect all information rather than chasing returns through stock picking and market timing. Your manager should be looking to academic research to gain insight into the dimensions that drive expected returns, just like I talked about. 
and integrate this knowledge into strategies designed and implemented to add value in the marketplace, value to your portfolio, value to your life, value to your dreams, value to your goals, value to your cornerstones. Because really as investors, we deserve the greatest chance for success. So are you going to follow somebody's opinion or are you going to follow the facts? Woo, that was a lot. I know, I know it was a lot, but you needed that. Now I'm all fired up about this. I'm sweating actually, and I'm hungry. But listen to me real quick. Most firms are still trying to sell the idea that they can find mispriced stocks or time the market. That is not the way we as family stewards approach investing. The foundation of our investment approach is that markets are efficient. I have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours combing through academic peer-reviewed research papers to discover this. Why does it matter to you? Because if you already know that markets are priced fairly, then you can turn your attention to the other ways to gain competitive advantage in the market. That's exactly what we do at Fortress Planning Group. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the website, bestandwealth.com. Click on 10 Steps to a Better Investing Experience. This will help as a guide for you to move forward and invest like a family steward. An approach that will give you the greatest chance for success. Isn't that what you want? To accomplish all your hopes and dreams, retire early, build that vacation home, get out of Wisconsin in the winter time. Man, figure out your dreams and your values and your goals and build a plan using the scientific approach, the family steward approach to investing. And you will be on your way to giving yourself the greatest chance for success. Thank you everybody for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. If you want to work with me, if you just have a question, email me, scott at bestandwealth.com. And until then, I'll see you on the flip side. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.